Good to see everybody. Today is going to be a continuation of the story that we started last week. We're in an exciting story about prayer. If you don't know, we're kicking off our year with a series on prayer. And we've decided to start with Exodus 32 and 33. It's God and Moses and some Israelites and there's prayer and God is responding. Now, what God wants us to know about prayer, he's put in his word about prayer. So this is in there. He must want us to know this, but I need to say it's not everything. I mean, this is an incredible story that went down, the way God responds. But it's not a complete and total teaching on prayer. I'm not saying that it is that, but it is showing us some things that we are to know. God's revealing it. And so this is what he showed us so far in 32. So we'll catch everybody up and then we'll go the rest of the way today. So here's the, the, a little review from 32. We have God and Moses at the top of the mountain, and we have the Israelites at the bottom, and they are sinning. God has chosen them to be his people, but they have turned their back on God, and they are worshiping a golden cow. He's not happy about it. He's going to wipe them out and start over with Moses, but Moses prays based upon what he knows. So this is what he knows from 32. There are certain things that are never going to change in prayer, ever. You'll never change the character of God. The person of God is unchanging. You'll never change the end game of God. I think we should go this way. I know we're headed towards new heaven and new earth, but let's just keep the one we got. You're never going to change the end, and you're never going to change his promises. If he said it, it's going to be. But between where we are and where we're headed, the plan of God is unfolding, and our prayers make a difference. God has revealed in this story that our prayers play a role in the unfolding of his plan. So, how did we leave it last week? Pray. Why not? Because what's unfolding for us right now, for every one of us, all of 2016 is going to unfold. Do you want to participate in the unfolding if God invites us to pray? Well, sure. So gather up your most important things and pray. Did you? Well, good. I got one. I did. I mean, I kind of did it before, but I hope you did. I hope it was worth your while. I did uh, just a tiny little thing about that, something I've worried about and stressed about for a long time, but never ever really prayed about. I put it on there. I asked him, and, I, and it was tiny way down the list, but I saw him move in it. And when I saw him move in it, when I went back over what I'm praying and seeing him respond in that way, it fired me up to pray all over again. But not so much just to pray, it fired me up for him, which I think is that that's the end game of what we're talking about. We're not in this so that you would have a healthy prayer life. That's not the goal. The goal is you get fired up for him, to delight in him, and that can happen. Plus you get to participate in the unfolding. So lots of reasons I hope you did. Couple, let me give you another reason why, and then we'll go on with the rest of our story. There's a description in Jeremiah 17, starts in verse 5, goes down a few, and it describes two kinds of people. It says, there is a person, or there's a type of person, who will only ever depend on themselves and the strength of their own flesh. The only thing they're ever going to go up against, what all life will bring them, is what they can do on their own. And that person, at the end of the day, will be like a dried up bush in the desert. Because life's going to deal you more than you can ever deal with on your own. And if you have no other place to go other than your, the strength of your own resource and what you're going to do, your own ingenuity and your own smarts and your own abilities, it's going to fold you up. 
and destination dried up bush in the desert. But there is also a person who is going to go through the exact same things, but they're going to believe big enough about God to turn to God and depend on him in prayer. Now, it doesn't say prayer. It says they trust God and they depend on God. But how else do we depend on God if not through prayer? And that person at the end of the day will be like a well-watered plant. Who wants dried up bush? Like nine o'clock didn't want it. I don't know. You guys are like, no, I'll take it, whatever. <laughs> what do I get? What's the well-watered plant? Do I get something better? It is better. It, it, here's what's interesting about those two, that they go through the same thing. The person who prays, it doesn't change. It actually says those two people go through the, the elements that they get are the same. They get the same amount of sun, the wind, the moon, and the rain. The one on this side, the well-watered, they get as much scorching sun as the other one, but they're different in the midst of it because they're depending on something larger and bigger than themselves. Let's just not run out in 2016 and try to do everything all by ourselves. Think about 2015 and were you ever, did you ever feel like a dried up bush in the middle of 2015 because you were just trying to do everything yourself? I'm just saying, let's not do that. There are lots of reasons why not to and we've been invited to pray. So let's pray. The rest of our story is going to be a continuation of where we've been. So it's going to be inspiration to pray. We're not going to change off of that a bit. Pray. But it's also going to be some instruction on how to pray if we look at the overview. And so we're going to get a little of both today. So I'll talk us through the rest of 32. And then when we get to 33, um, I'll start reading. So here's the scenario again. God is poised to destroy at the top of the mountain. I'm going to start over with you, Moses, and Moses prays. This is 32:12. Don't do it. Turn from your burning anger. Would there, could there be another way? Let's not do it the way you've said. And God, verse 14, God does what? He relents. He turns. He doesn't do it. He responds to prayer. Moses then goes down the mountain, and the first person he talks to is Aaron. Aaron was the one that he left in charge at the bottom, and he says, what are you doing? And Aaron says, well, you know these people, they're evil. They wanted me to make gods to go before them, so I took some gold, I threw it into the fire, and this calf just came out. Truly what it says. Look it up, word for word. I just threw the gold in, I don't know, and this calf came out. He has no idea. It's like talking to my sons. Right? Like, what happened? What? We don't what? Your bed is broken in half. Oh, yeah. Oh, we don't know. Did, it, has anyone, did anyone see their bed broken in half in our front yard before Christmas? Yep. Guess what? They got no idea. I don't know. Okay, that's Aaron. So Moses takes... The calf melts it down, grinds it into powder, puts it in water, and makes him drink it. I'm not sure why he does that, but he does. Then gathers to himself a small army of men who, who say, Our allegiance is with the Lord on the top of the mountain. And they go and they kill 3,000 of the worst offenders that were around the, the calf. So that's in there, just so that you know. He tells the people the next day, your sin before God was great. Now I have to go back up there and try to make atonement. That's the word he uses. I'm going to have to try to make amends. I'm going to have to try to cover over what you did so we can go on together. So he goes back up the mountain and says to God, I, I finally saw what they did and you were right. It's terrible. Because he couldn't see it from up there. God just told him what was going on. Now he can see for himself. So he comes back up and he asks again for 
God's forgiveness of them, even after he's seen it. This is 32, 32. But now if you will forgive their sin, so he asked for forgiveness, but look what he puts to it this time. But if you will not, I'm going to make you this offer. If you won't, then blot me out of the book that you have written so that they can stay in. I would be willing to take a punishment for them. If they could stay right with you, go ahead and punish me. Amazing. God says, the one who has sinned against me, that is who I will blot out of my book. Now you go take these people and go on to the land that I will show you. Now we're to 33. 33 says, God to Moses, depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he tells them that he had promised it to them too. I will send an angel before you and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, and any other ites that happen to be in your way. Three, go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go up among you lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. So he says, fine, I'll let you live. Go on, I'll send an angel, but I'm not going with you because if I do, I might kill you. I don't want to be with you because I know who you are. Moses takes the answer, but he can't live with it. He goes down the mountain, but he goes back to pray with God to ask for something different, this time in a tent outside of the camp, the tent of meeting. So this is verse 12. It picks back up. Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring this people up, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name. Moses. And you have found favor in my sight, Moses. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know, I may know you and continue to know you and continue to find favor in your sight. And the rest of 13, please consider too that this nation is your people. There has to be another way. Verse 14 again, what does God do? Verse 14 in both chapters are huge. 32, God relents. Verse 14 and 33, what does he do again? Okay, I'll go. God responding to prayer again. He said he wasn't going to go, and now he's going to go. But it's like Moses doesn't hear him because he keeps praying. 15, we'll get to 15, but always listen when you pray because God has spoken and he just talks over him. Here's 15. God just said he was going, and he said, because if your presence will not go with me, your presence will not go with me, do not bring me up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not? And you're going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth. And the Lord said, I already said yes. <laughs> I said I was going to go. This very thing that I have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight, and I do know your name. Now, so two relents over heavy subject matter, but Moses isn't done yet. And this is amazing. I always knew this next part was in the Bible, but I didn't know where it was. And it turns out it's right next to these two. Now, he's got two remarkable responses from God based upon prayer. I think I would quit while he's ahead, but he just says, one more thing, God, that I would like of you. I want to, verse 8, I'd like to see you. Show me your glory. Seems like terrible timing to me. You know, he doesn't seem happy. I think I just leave well enough alone. But he has this, there's something else going on between the two of them that we're going to understand. But he said, one more thing, I want to see me. Will you please show me your glory? And he gets a what? A third? God said, yeah, I will. But it's going to be a particular way. 
I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord, meaning I am who I am. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face nor or for man shall not see me and live. So just a little note there. Sometimes God has to say no because what we're asking for would kill us. So he says no. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on a rock, and while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face you shall not see. And God does it. And from this point on, at least until the end of the next chapter 34, it says that Moses' face shone like the glory of the Lord. So much so, he had to put a veil over it so that the other people would know that he had seen God but would not be harmed. Amazing. I'm not sure there's a piece of scripture that has this kind of amazing response from God to prayer. So it's, he wants us to know something. It's in there for a reason. So let's pray and ask him what he wants us to know and then we'll get into it. Let's pray. Lord, I'm thankful for this story, and I do pray that you help us to see what you want us to see from this. You put it in there. So how should we respond? What should we know? Push these things into our heart. I do pray that we would know what Moses knows. He knows some things about you that are very, very important. So help us to know them, but also then, in light of that, help us to pray how he prays. For the unfolding of our lives, for the unfolding of your plan, for your glory ultimately, but for our joy. And I ask it in the good and great name of Jesus. And everybody said, all right. I'm looking at this passage, these two chapters, 32 and 33, and I'm reading them over and over and making notes. It's always good, read large chunks at a time and then sit back and think about it and, and ask, so what is coming off the page? So there are a couple of things coming off the pages of this whole story. The one that comes off the page is that prayer makes a difference. Let that sink. God has decided that prayer is going to make a difference. God has decided that he's going to act on the basis of our prayers. Now, I'm not saying in that, that that we've got the steering wheel to the universe. We don't. If I had the wheel this morning, the Bengals would still be in the playoffs and I'd be $900 million richer. And neither of those are true. So I'm not saying we do. You don't. We don't. You could say that. I just want this to sink in. Does prayer make a difference? Because some of us have given up on it. You don't. Because you haven't seen God move or act, and so you're done. And I want to change that. I want this passage to change that in you. You could say this if you want to. That everything that Moses prayed, God wanted him to pray. I believe that's true. You could even say that God inspired him to pray it if you wanted to. That God wanted him to pray this certain thing, so he finally did pray it so that God could act in response to his prayer. That's probably all true. I mean, God is not sitting back going to respond to the whims of our hearts. He's not. These things are inside of his purposes. But you, you can't say prayer doesn't make a difference. You he's decided that he will act when we pray. He might move us to pray, but he's going to act when we do, and he won't act until we do. So prayer makes a difference. Let that sing. pray. Two, though, I see coming off here is that I don't pray like Moses. There's something different about, as I read the whole thing, 
I just see what he's asking and how he's doing it. Now understand, I'm not leading Israel through the desert, all right? So we're going to pray differently. I get that. But it's not about the specifics. There's just something else to it. I, I see what he's asking for, his requests, and I kind of look at mine and they're, they're not the same. So that's what I want to look into. How does he pray? What is he praying for? Because there's a lesson there in that. It's part of what God reveals here. So we'll look at what, he, what he's asking for and then measure it back to ourselves for a little correction, I hope. So one, the first thing that Moses prays for in this is mercy. He pleads for the mercy of God. He does it twice. Before he sees what the sin is at the bottom, he says, oh Lord, turn. Don't do this thing. Turn from what you're going to do. The second time he prays, it's the same thing. He, he's seen it. He comes back up and then he adds that peace that is unbelievable. God, I still want you to forgive them, but if you won't, blot me out of the book you have written so essentially they can stay in. Now, I want you to understand the depth of that. Already, you should start to see a difference maybe in how you pray and what Moses is offering up here. What he's saying is, when he starts talking about blotting himself out of the book, we're talking about forever being removed from God altogether. I mean, if this language helps you, use this language. We're talking about heaven and hell. It would be like saying, God, if you would just... If those people, sinful as they may be, if they could stay with you forever and go on with you, I would be willing to sacrifice myself. You could put me away from you forever so long as that would take place for them. Send me to hell if you have to, as long as they're saved. Listen, that's not on my list anywhere. It's on your list. I mean, here's my list. So we'll just look at it again. I mean, inspired to pray. This is just part of it. But inspired to, to pray by these passages. If I could really participate in the unfolding, I'm going to pray. And these are the things that are near and dear to my heart. I'm going to pray for my marriage. Oh, God, like have it unfold in this particular way. God, you, you know our differences. And I think both you and I know that I am right. <laughs> so if you could just help her see that. And how smart I am, that would be great. I was going to say amen, but I'm not even done yet. I'm just getting started. If you could work that out for me, that would be good. And if, if, the, if the spiritual lives of my kids could unfold in a certain way and they would unfold on the basis of my prayer, then I'm going to pray a certain way for my kids. Of course I would. In my church, I'm, my prayer for us has been like we would look like the, the, the Philippians because they had a passion about them. They were... There was a spiritual fervency about them, their, their connectedness, their community, their participation, their giving. God, make us like what I read here and my ventures. If I start some new ventures in 2016, God, will you bless them? And the basis of my prayers, well, look what I've done for you. I've done for you and I've set aside for you, so could you do this for me? Bless me and whatever I may start and do. And, oh, could you just put a big old piece of protection around all of us, me and all those I love, amen, essentially. What's the spirit of that list? I said it about six times. Me, my, me, me and my. So let me, let me ask you, let, let me see if we can agree that this is true. You will pray, I will pray what's in our heart. If it's in there, it will come out. And if it's in there, you can know that you love it. Right, wrong, or indifferent, it, it's in there. And you're going to pray what's in your heart. It will come out. 
So what can you know absolutely for sure is in my heart? Love for me. <laughs> right? You can see it when you, you'll hear it when you pray. I mean, I love you too. I just don't love you as much as I love me. And the same is probably true of you towards me. It's just different than what you see in Moses. Moses is praying for others. Listen, we all pray for others. I'm praying for others, but it's even to the exclusion of himself. There's something different going on. And you know that that's not the only time that sort of prayer has been prayed. Blot me out that they may live. It's prayed in the New Testament at least twice. There was a guy named Paul who prayed it. He was a He was a Jew who was bringing the message of the cross to the Jews. The Jews had the law, and they thought that's what made them right with God. So they only wanted to do that. And Paul came along and said, you can't actually follow it all. You need forgiveness, and Christ paid for it with his death on the cross. You need that. And they thought it was foolishness, and it crushed him because he loved them. So he said, if if my countrymen would just believe, Lord, do away with me, I would You could cast me out, cast me away if you could keep them. So I would even say Paul prayed it, but then Christ himself prayed something similar. When when he's getting ready to go to the cross, he understands the plan. He understands what God's ready to do. And he does say, God, if there's any other way that we can save sinful man other than me going to the cross, I vote for that one. But if not, go ahead and crush me that they might live. So, if God in the flesh is saying that kind of thing, have mercy on them, though it costs me, and Moses, you can know that Moses is praying things that are near and dear to the heart of God. Less so, he's praying about things that God loves, not so much about things that he loves. And when I read it, I see something different in me than what I'm reading on the page. And anytime you see something different than you, than what you're reading on the page, it's it's a cause to amend or correct or repent. A A further example of my heart and where it is versus what I read. Someone asked me to pray for ISIS this week. It came across... It says prayforisis.com. I don't know if you saw that. And my first thought when I saw it, it says, will you, real big. And my first thought was, <laughs> no. Then I thought, yes, I will, because I remembered those prayers in Psalms that David prays against his enemies. Oh, Lord, smite thy enemy from the face of the earth. I'm like, well, I'll pray for ISIS that way. <laughs> but here's how the description came. It said, will you, because in these troubled times or whatever, God is at work, trust it, and it's his heart that this community of people of the Muslim faith would come to a knowledge of his love and grace. Would you pray that way? I'm like, man. And just the fact that I know that I don't want to and there's nothing in me, I can tell that my, my heart is in a different place. And so, Just make some notes. I left a place for you to put some notes about this passage. These are notes that I made as I read it as a whole. So you can do it or not. But one, we'll back up a little bit. Prayer makes a difference. But two, as you read this, you have to consider the selflessness of Moses when he prays. Because it's there for us to to look into for a reason. Two, I'll leave that up there a little bit if somebody wants to write it down. But it it has to do with an others-centeredness 
that I read that I don't see. Two, he prays for presence. He pleads for the presence of God. God, you have to go with us. Now, why? Why does he say that you have to go? And it's not what you think. It's not because of the Jebusites and the Hittites. It's not that. He's not afraid of them. It's not about water from a rock or food from the sky. It's not about those things. It's not about guidance or protection, which is typically why we pray for presence. He prays for presence, he says it in a very particular way, so that other people will know that you are our God. Distinction. He's asking God to go with them so that all the other nations we meet would see us and know you. That's verse 16. How will everyone know everyone else that they meet, that we have found favor with you unless you are there. There's a program that God has. It's all through. He wants to be glorified through our lives. Moses' concern with God going with them is that other people would see them and know him. God, you have to go because how else would you, how else would the renown of your name be known if people can't see that you're there? You got to go. Now, I pray for presence too. I pray a very particular way for presence. Psalm 139, God, hem me in from behind and before because I think, that's the, I think that has it covered. And I pray it for this reason because I believe God is altogether good and altogether powerful and I want altogether good and altogether powerful around me. For, at the end of the day, for me, I want those things to be with me. What I'm not praying is God be with me. And listen, we all pray that God is with us. I'm not sure I've ever heard a prayer uttered where we haven't said, oh Lord, be with us. Certainly every Thanksgiving, every Christmas, every whatever you gather, you're going to hear it. But it's not because, God, be with me so that you would be glorified through my life. Oh, God, be with me so that other people would see me and know you. Is that near and dear to God's heart? The renown of his name, is that something that resonates with God? Absolutely. But there's something different, again, that I'm reading on the page. Now, I'm not saying don't pray for yourself. Like, finally, can we pray for ourselves? Would that be okay? Yes, and there's all kinds of instructions on prayer for yourself. Philippians 4, in everything, by prayer and supplication, make your request be known to God, and he will what? He will guard your hearts in Christ Jesus. Doesn't say he's going to rearrange everything for you, but it does say anything that's bogging you down, anything that's stressing you out, anything that you're worried about, anybody worried about anything, you bring it. And you're instructed to do that. Jesus himself taught us, give us this day our daily bread. That's us. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. All those are in there. One of the all-time favorites out of the Old Testament, First Chronicles, the prayer of Jabez. Oh, Lord, expand my borders. Expand my territory. Bless me. Pour out your blessing on me and keep any negative thing out of here because I want to live a pain-free, problem-free life. Amen. And it says God blessed it. I mean, we're, we're instructed to pray those things for us, and we should. But... You can't sit there and not hold all that stuff together with what we're holding. Yeah, you see a self at the center of some of what we're being asked to pray or told to pray, but you're also seeing God at the center of what we're being asked to pray, and you have to hold it together. You, you got to, in some way, you have to say, God, if I do get what I'm asking for, how in the end will you be glorified? And that's a very different prayer. Because it's God-centered. You're thinking about him, not just you. What does James 4 say? You don't have because you don't ask with the right motive. You, 
God knows your selfish intentions whenever you ask it. He knows what you really want. You can't pray the prayer of Jabez like this. Oh God, expand my territory and bless me abundantly and keep all bad things from me so that I can tear down my barns, build bigger ones, fill them to the brim and eat, drink and be merry the rest of my life. Amen. God himself condemns that attitude. If it's solely based on your passions, what about what he wants? For the glory of his name. And you have to. It's evident with Moses. Is it evident with you? Psalm 66. If I treasured iniquity in my heart, I should expect that the Lord would not listen. I mean, if you're loving a mess, don't. It's, you can't just throw it up and have God take care of it for you. There's different motivations at play here. And you see them coming out of Moses. So, if I get what I want, because I'm going to pray that, how will God be glorified by it? That has to be part of it. Yeah, I want the marriage to unfold in a particular way for my comfort and for my blessing and for my happiness. Yeah, but how then ultimately will God get credit for that? Three, he, the last thing, he, he pleads for the glory of God. Now, this one sounds kind of selfish because we know what's behind this one. We talked about it. It seems like bad timing. It's a little odd. We've just talked about some heavy subject matter here and like, okay, God, now show me your glory. So it seems selfish. Like now, he, now he's asking for himself. And you know what? He is at some level. He's asking for himself. Moses is saying, I want to see this for me. But really, what is he asking? When he wants to see God, what he's saying is, God, I want to see more of you. I want to know you better. I want to know you more. I want more of you in my life. So when I walk out of this tent, I'm going to be different out there than here because of the revelation of you that you gave me. So you can say that it's selfish, but really he's saying, God, I want more of you. And that's still not self-centered. That is still God-centered. I want to know you, but I want more of you. Which led me to this, this note on this one, is that don't be afraid to ask God to do something awesome. Sometimes we're afraid to, you know. We get into this vein and I'm, I'm hacking away at your prayer list saying you're not doing it right, so then you're all going to be serious and somber and bummed out about the whole thing. Okay, God, what do you want? Not what I want. And... But look at this. Look at how he turns it at the end. And oh yeah, God, by the way, do something awesome. Can I see you? And it's actually changed, it's changed the way I've prayed. I put this at the end of when I'm done and I'm going through what I'm praying. It's like, and oh yeah, do something awesome today for, and I've actually reserved this one not for me, but for somebody else. So maybe my heart is changing. But I have a friend who is fighting for his marriage. I knew him a long time ago. Things went really, really bad. He went his own way, but he's trying to walk back through it. And he reached out to me. And so we are fighting for his marriage. Now he's doing particular things. He's washing the dishes and he's trying to go on date nights and all that kind of stuff, which is good. But we have decided that we are going to pray for this particular thing. And so I've reserved this one for him. And I'm saying every day when I'm walking out of it, I'm saying, do something awesome for him. And I can't wait to see what God does. I really can't wait to see. Now I look at this 
Here's what I love about 32 and 33. I come away from these two chapters encouraged to pray, but corrected at the same time. And I think you will always, always find that with the Word of God. You will find encouragement, but you will never find the Word always saying, you're so awesome, you're so great, just keep going and doing what you're doing. It will always in some way correct you. But it does both. And when it does that, you know you're getting it. That's what God does. Encourage you to pray. But oh yeah, take note. There are some amendments you need to make. What about my heart, not yours? May you be encouraged to pray, but corrected in your prayers. Why not? We see God responding in amazing ways. Now, how do we get there? How do we get? So we see something in Moses that we may not see in us, or certainly don't see it in myself. How do we get there? Where is this coming from, from Moses? How do we get there? Because I can't walk out of here and be a robot like, well, Moses prayed for mercy, so I'm going to pray for mercy. And Moses prayed for presence, so I'm going to pray for presence. And he prayed for glory. Well, that's just the program. But no, that's not. There's something underneath it. So where is this coming from that he would make these kind of requests? And it's actually, the key to it is all through a passage. So I want to call your attention to some phrases that were used between God and Moses back and forth all the way through that will help explain why he prays the way he prays. And the phrases are this, you know my name, I have favor with you. Did you hear those multiple times in our passage? They exchange them back and forth. Moses is saying, you know my name, right? And God said, yep, I know your name. I have favor, right? Yep, you've got favor. I want that to continue. Yes, I know you do. Did you hear it? So Moses would check and God would confirm it back. And if you're talking about knowing name and having favor, what do those two have? What's in place that actually is, is shaping the prayers of Moses? What do they have together? They have relationship. Make this one as big a note as you possibly can and put it down. I wish this would have showed up earlier in our story because I think it would have made a difference last week. But I want you to see it here. These prayers are not being offered up outside of a relationship. Listen, they know each other. Moses is praying what God loves because he knows God and he knows what he loves. They know each other. This is not Moses just outside of a relationship going, I hope this works and asking God to do whatever and God knocks them all down outside of their relationship. It comes from their relationship, and their relationship shapes it. You don't pray for others in that way that you would blot me out unless you know the heart of God. You're not asking for him to be glorified in your life if you don't know that God wants the renown of his name to go forth through you. You have to know that. And listen, Moses does. They have a relationship. So know that. I wish that we would have had it earlier last week because we left out last week and we said really this. Prayer makes a difference. Go pray. And it does, but some of you left out of here going, I don't know, because I have lots of evidence to the contrary. I have prayed, and they've been pretty good prayers, and nothing happened, and so I'm done. And you have been on my mind throughout this last several weeks. Like, I want that to go away. I don't want that to be there. So you can't offer this stuff up. Yes, I want you to gather your most important things in 2016. Gather them up. But you have to, at the very same time, ask, what is your relationship like with God? Because that relationship will shape the prayers that we see God responding to. God is responding to those prayers out of that. What is the relationship? This is what I see in, in Moses. He delights, at, this is Psalm 37. You have this same truth put all over the word in different places, but it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. 
don't take the top part off. That's what we like to do. Chad said prayer. We're going to pray. Prayer makes a difference, and it will happen. Because of your belief in, in the power of prayer, or your belief in your position before God, or something like that. No. If you delight yourself in the Lord, it will change what you ask, and you'll ask things in line with what he loves. That's what you see Moses doing. It's not selfishness running out of him. It's selflessness and God-centeredness. And you see God responding to it. So always hold the two together. So you have to ask yourself the question while you're pulling together your most important things in 2016, do you delight in him at all? And I'm not saying, okay, delight yourself in the Lord. So you got to work on delight and then go pray. They actually grow one at the same time. You can start not delighting him. I invite you to do it. I would say that I did. Just put it out there. But when you see him move and you see him respond in just a little way, your delight in him will go up. They kind of one feeds on the other. You'll get there by prayer, but make sure your prayer is in some way shaped by your delight. It's, a less, it's right there for us. Moses is not praying outside of a close relationship with God that in some way shapes what he asks. You have to ask about relationship. Where is it? Now, some of you are like, great, I'm out because I got zero relationship. He's there. I'm here. I don't know what's up. Here's what you need to know. This will warm your heart before you go out into the cold. The same thing that God says to Moses, he says to you if you believe. Hey, I know your name and you have favor in my sight. Some of you may have wondered if he knows your name or if he even cares or he did for a while and then he's forgotten. I don't know where you are with him. But if you believe, you can be assured that he knows your name and you have favor. If you know those two things, that can change the way you pray. So here's how you know they're true. A couple of times in the New Testament, Jesus says this. This is actually John chapter 6. But Jesus says to a whole bunch of people who do not believe, He's there, but no one's coming to him to say, I believe. And he says this, I will know that you believe when, the, when, when you come, because when you come, I will know that the Father has given you to me. No one comes to me unless God actually gives you to me. He says it this way, however, those the Father has given me will come to me. So no one's coming in these conversations. So he knows, this is what he knows. He doesn't, well, he, I guess he does say it. He's saying that God, the Father, has not given you to me yet. So God is causing them to be able to come. He also says, if you do, the Father gives you to me, then I will, well, whoever he gives me, I will never let go. I won't ever lose you. So you can be assured of this. If the message of the cross resonates with your heart, if you, if you hear it, and you like it, and you want it, you can be assured that God is working in your life. 1 Corinthians 2.14, the message of the cross is foolishness to the natural person because he can't understand it without the Spirit. But if the Spirit of God is working on you, all of a sudden it makes sense, and you come. That's spiritually discerned. So, is there anything about that you want? That Christ would come, crush himself so that you could be free and with God forever. Does that sound good to you? You can go ahead and say yes. All right, good. That means, 
That means that God is at work in you. So if you're able to come, this is what it means. If you're able to come to Christ, you can be assured that God has said, God the Father, God the Spirit has said to Christ, this one is mine. So he knows your name. He's not saying, uh, northern Indiana, move that sector in. Take what you want. It's you. He knows you. knows your name. If the cross is not foolishness to you, he knows your name. And if you believe, so here's my picture of belief. I'm going to latch on to this, which I think is a picture of belief. Like you have this in your life and you don't want to let it go. And if you don't have it, life is nothing. So you'd rather have this and nothing than everything and not that. Are you there? Like you need this and you know you can't live without it. Okay, that's belief. You're clinging to it. Now, here's what you need to know about clinging to this. You don't keep it based upon your own grip, all right? Because that would not be salvation. That would put salvation in your hands, and who trusts your own grip when it comes to God? You shouldn't. That would not be salvation. That would be every day it's up to you. You only get here if God has already grabbed you. We've covered that. So if you can do this, he's already grabbed you. Now, if you're here, what do you get? Favor. How do you get favor from here? You have favor because the blood of Christ cleanses you from all unrighteousness. You're in. You're clean. What does he say? I will remember your lawless deeds no more. Who wants their lawless deeds forgotten forever and put aside? If you're there, you have it. So you, he's no, he knows your name and you have favor. He's saying, get in here. I've given you the spirit of adoption. You are sons and daughters. Now, Clinging to that cross, can you be a really crummy son or daughter? Yeah. Does it make you not a son or daughter? No. You're in. So listen to what he says. If you're in, here's the language. This is Hebrews 10. I will remember your lawless deeds no more. Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Christ, now we can go to the holiness of God because he knows our name and we have favor. We only have that because of the sacrifice. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance Get in there. That relationship thing that seems so far away to you, look who did all the work. So maybe write this, if you were to start to pray. He knows my name. I have found favor in his sight. And then start. It may shape. It may change. It may change the way you pray. Is that sinking in? I want it to sink in. Because why be a dried up bush? Because that's where we're headed without it. If, you got, if all you got is you and all you are, life will fold you in half. Sink in. Last thing, and then we'll close. I don't want you to think that this is a formula. Because it's not a formula. You, I don't want us walking out of here going, okay. I've believed in the power of prayer because you told me to, and I've gathered up my most important things because you told me to, and I've amended my list according to Exodus 33, like you said, and I've done my best to delight in him, so here it goes. I'm going to start, and I'm expecting to see this Moses experience. Yes, 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 no. It won't. There will be no. Let me jump ahead in the story. Three books, not three chapters, three books. We're in Exodus. They finally get to Deuteronomy. These people, the sinful mess, they're finally ready to go into the land that God gave Abraham. And guess who doesn't get to go in? Moses. Dies on a mountain. 
He gets to see it from a mountain, but dies on the mountain and doesn't go in. Does that sound right to you? I think you should get in. But listen, the answer is no. And sometimes the answer will just be no. You see it all over, too. So you, there's no formula. Be inspired to pray. May your prayers be shaped by your relationship. But sometimes it's not for you to know. Acts chapter 1, there are things fixed by the Father that are not for you to know. No. And it just stays there. I know some of you are there. And I don't want you to be there. You're, you're done with it because you tried and it didn't work and he doesn't care and you're out. Let your heart be warmed by what you're hearing. Pray. It makes a difference. Now, it's going to be no, but let me, let me give you something. There are truths in that place. If you're in that place, there are truths that won't change the circumstance, but it will change the attitude, change your attitude in it, possibly. So consider this. The broken bed thing was true. It really was disintegrated. Um, it really did sit outside of our house for a while. And I still really don't know what happened. As far as I know, it's miraculous. But, but in the wreckage, this is what we found. Someone scratched Romans 8.28 across the carnage. Romans 8.28 is this. Now, I don't know who did it or when, all I know is they're about this tall or this tall. <laughs> but this is, this is Roman. You'll like this. This is Romans 8.28. Oh God, we know that for those who love you, all things will work together for our good. <laughs> Which is to say, I recognize, God, that this season I'm about to go through under the wrath of my earthly father is not going to be good. <laughs> But I'm trusting you because I love you in case you have forgotten that all things will work out together for my good. And you know what? In this particular case, it did because I'm not beating him for that once I saw that. <laughs> you can't beat him for that, can you? On a much, much more serious note, some things are just going to stay broke until you die. They're just going to stay broke. But you do have a shot from this God that we know to scratch something over that wreckage that could change your attitude in the midst of it. It won't put it back together. And if we know him, we can say that, that he is good. The same God that sent his son for us is the same God ultimately who is going to save us, new heaven, new earth, recreate the whole thing. For those who love him and are called according to his purpose, Someday, somehow, someway, we'll understand that it was all working together. And it won't put it back together, but it will keep you in the midst. I mean, I think this is how you become a well-watered plant in the midst of a scorching sun. Consider what you've heard today. Sink into your heart. Be inspired to pray. Amend how you pray. All these things are here from us in God's word, and I believe he wants us to know all of them.
Now, we'll close with a song. I do want to pray for you if you care to. If you've got things out there that are waiting for you that are stressing you out and you want to come pray, we'll have some people to do that. Or you can just come pray by yourself. Or you don't have to. You can pray where you're at. But it would be silly not to, knowing what we know about prayer, it would be silly, silly not to pray or at least pray together before we go. So I'll pray. They'll come out and sing. But you're certainly invited to do that. Let's close. Um, Lord, thanks for this story. I love this story. And it's there for a reason. And who you are is in it. And what you would have for, for us is in it. And, and it can make a difference. So help us to be shaped by your word in a way that brings you good attention at the end of the day, but also our joy in the midst of it. From where we are right now to where we're headed, uh, the unfolding of how you would go. May we participate in that as you see fit. And we ask it in the good and great name of Jesus. And everybody said...